Welcome to the Church for All Nations podcast, streaming live from Tacoma, Washington. We're so excited you joined us today. We hope you're encouraged by this week's message. Hey, we're continuing our series today entitled, I Am. Someone say, I Am. I Am. I am. And I'm going to be unpacking this phrase that Jesus uses to describe himself where he says in John 11, I am the resurrection and the life. The resurrection and the life. Aren't you grateful that that's who he is this morning, that he is the resurrection and he is the life? You know, a lot of us have a general understanding of the gospel. We believe that Jesus, the Son of God, he came to earth He lived a sinless life. He died a sinner's death on the cross. He bore the punishment for everything that I ever did, whatever, every wrong thing that you ever did and and will ever do again. He defeated hell and the grave and he rose from death to life again and he is alive today. And all we have to do is just simply accept him, believe in him and we shall have eternal life. That's that's what we believe. That's why we're here this morning. So when Jesus says, I am the resurrection and the life, that's what he's referring to, what I just described. Well, partly, partly. There's actually more to it. You see, Jesus was a teacher and his lessons tended to be multifaceted. Uh, they went very, very deep. And so when Jesus refers to himself as the resurrection and the life, what was he really saying beyond just the surface? That's what I want to talk about today for the next couple of minutes here. So in order to do that, let's look at the text. John chapter 11. If you have your Bibles, you can turn there. John chapter 11. Or of course, it'll always be on the screens here. This is the account of some of Jesus's closest friends. In fact, two of the characters in this story were two of Jesus's female disciples. All the ladies in the house say, yeah. One of them, Mary, who in the next chapter, John chapter 12, anoints Jesus's feet with perfume and and washes his feet so humbly washes Jesus' feet as as the disciples sit back and scoff. What are you doing? And then, of course, Martha, who was known for her servant's heart. She, She had a heart for caring for people. And then their brother, Lazarus, who was sick. Scripture lets us know that the four of these folks are very, very close. They're very good friends. And so the girls send word to Jesus that Lazarus is sick in hopes that he will immediately immediately leave what, what he's doing and come right to his side to heal Lazarus. Let's go to the text and we'll read it together here. John chapter 11, verses three through seven. It says, so the sisters, Mary and Martha, sent word to Jesus. Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. no. It is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Verse 5. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, 
Watch this. He stayed where he was two more days. And then he said to his disciples, let us go back to Judea. Okay, so wait a second. Scripture says that Jesus loves this family so much. And yet when Jesus heard Lazarus was sick, he doesn't catch a red eye to the hospital to be with Lazarus. Scripture says that he just, he doesn't leave for another two days. There's a lot of questions that arise when I read this today. And I think about this, that these questions will really lead us directly to what Jesus is trying to communicate when he refers to himself as the resurrection and the life in this I am statement. The first question that you have to ask yourself is the question of timing. The question of timing. Jesus gets this bad news. And instead of panicking and rushing to Lazarus' side, he doesn't leave where he's at for another two days. I'm sorry. I question Jesus' timing here. This doesn't make any sense. This is one of his boys, like one of his besties. And he hears that he's sick and he has the power to fix it and he doesn't leave. He shows up at the hospital two days later. Doesn't make any sense. But how many of you know that timing is everything? It's everything. You, you can even have the right decision. You, 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 can, you could even have heard from God. But if the timing is off, it can totally mess the whole situation up. Timing is everything. And I prefer God's timing in my life versus my timing. Many of you remember 2010. I remember it like it was yesterday. It was a Tuesday morning. I was an associate at my father's church in Miami, Florida. And on that morning, the worst on record earthquake took place in Haiti. Now, we watched it. I mean, it literally leveled the city of Port-au-Prince. And this was very, very dear to our hearts because my dad's church is composed of, I don't know, at least three quarters Haitian people. Thousands of Haitian people are in my father's church. And so this was a very big deal for us. And it was traumatic. In fact, Ashley and I were on a part of a, a, a medical relief. We, we hosted uh, a medical relief team just a few days after the earthquake took place. And we got there and it was just complete devastation. And anyway, one night we were there and we were sitting around this table with some folks and there were still even aftershocks taking place. It was surreal. And I remember sitting there at this table with these folks, and I just kind of asked the question, you know, where were you when it happened? Like, I want to hear your guys' experience. And they said, JF, you can hear all our experiences, but you've got to hear one of our associate pastors' experience. And so I said, let's hear it. They wanted to tell me that this associate pastor in their church there in Haiti he and his wife and his kids were going on a staycation. You know what a staycation is? Where you don't actually leave where you live, but you just get off of work and maybe you go stay at the Holiday Inn or something like that. You know what I mean? It's just like you're on vacation in your own town, right? So this is what they did. So they, they got um, a reservation at, at one of the nice hotels in downtown Port-au-Prince. So sure enough, the staycation started. 
They stopped uh, at, at a grocery store and got some food, and they used their credit card to buy the food. <laughs> totally fine. They go to the hotel. They walk into the hotel. They put the credit card down for the reservation. They run the credit card, and the person at the front desk says, I'm sorry, uh, Pastor, um, your card's been declined. And he said, that's impossible. I, I used it 20 minutes ago at the grocery store up the street. Run it again. Sure enough, ran the card. I'm, I'm sorry, Pastor, I'm, I don't have to tell you, it's, it's declined. He says, come on, just one more time. He, sure enough, ran it one more time. Declined once again. He says, ah, oh, man, okay. Well, I'll run back home, and I'll get a different card. And so he said, okay, well, your reservation's right here. Your room's all ready to go. The pool's ready. We're, you're good to go. It's going to be a party. He said, thank you. The family walks out of the lobby. They walk on to the street. Earthquake happens. The entire hotel falls all the way to the down. Everyone in the hotel was killed. How many of you know timing is everything? Now, I don't believe that that was a coincidence. I'd like to think that God had something to do with that. Timing is everything. And scripture says that here's Lazarus. He's sick. He's on his deathbed. And Jesus hears about it, and he decides to stay two more days. Why does he do this? Well, it wasn't because he didn't love Lazarus. Let's go back to the scripture here, verse 4 of chapter 11 in John. When he heard this, Jesus said, This sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory, so that God's Son may be glorified through it. Now, the reality is, some of you in this room, you're in a tough season. Some of you in this room are battling through something that's really hard. And some of you are so angry right now at God because of the timing of all of this. You don't understand the timing. Things that you expected to have solved by now, he hasn't solved them yet based on your timing. And this morning, you need to be reminded that the timing of things can be used for his glory if you will allow it. Verse 14, so then he told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And for your sake, someone say your sake, for your sake, I am glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Listen, what I'm about to say is hard to swallow, but there are hard things that the Lord allows us to go through from time to time throughout our lives for our own sake so that we can grow in our believing. There, there, there are, I've talked to some of you about this. There, there, there's things that you have been through. There's some testimonies in this room because I've heard them. I've been to Starbucks with a lot of you. Where, where, where you walked through a season and it was longer 
than you expected. Yet you had to deal with some of the pain longer than you thought. You thought God was going to heal you of that whatever it was immediately, but you had to walk through a handful of months or even years. But when you finally received your healing, you had spent all that time with God in a way that you probably wouldn't have had. And it, and it strengthened your belief in him. And that's what Jesus is talking about right here. Jesus' timing had everything to do with God getting the glory and those watching growing in belief. How many know that, 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 that Jesus has a plan for your life? <laughs> it is so specific too. And his, this is the question of timing. Verse 17, on his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now, now stop right there. Why is, it, why is the number four so important? Why, why, why does this matter? It matters because in that Jewish culture, they believed that someone could only be brought back from the dead within three days. So when Jesus arrives on the scene four days later, it now makes sense why Mary and Martha are so devastated. It now kind of comes together. We now understand why the disciples are so confused that Jesus is not leaving immediately. They know that their culture, their system, their religion states that they've learned since they were little Jewish kids that you can only be brought back from the dead within three days. And Jesus arrives on the scene and, and they're so upset. Mary and Martha, everything has changed for them now. Everything's changed. They, 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 they now don't, they, they don't believe that Jesus can actually bring someone back because it's day four. And so be, so what happened was they, they shoved Jesus into their little box of their expectations. They say, well, hey, my rabbis that I grew up with, my culture says A, B, and C about three days. And Jesus, you show up on day four, you can't fix it now. You can't do it. You are too late. But how many of you know that Jesus is never too late in our situation? How many of you know that God always shows up on time? It might not be on our watch. It might not be on our time. It might not be according to our expectations. But I want you to know he's never too late. He's always got a plan. So if you're here this morning and you're walking through a situation in your life that seems overwhelming and you think God isn't showing up or he's too late, it might be just he's working on his own timetable. He's got a plan. And he shows up on day four. And he arrives on the scene. And everyone's crying. And everyone's upset. And Mary says, if you would have just showed up on time, Jesus, you could have healed him. Let's go to the text. It says, Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. The one who, say it. The one who believes in me will live 
even though they die. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? We may not see it, but God's timing always has a purpose. And often, it's simply help us believe. The question of timing. Here's the second question that I, I have to address, and that is the question of tears. The question of tears. I remember I was in high school, and I briefly played high school football. Can you believe that? Uh, and I remember uh, I had some big boys on my team, talking just big boys. One of my buddies, his name was Thomas Malloy. I mean, just the name alone. It just, I get this picture of this massive man, Thomas Malloy. And Thomas was from Nebraska. He knew how to bale some hay, you know what I mean? He could throw some hay around. Big dude, I'm talking like just a big old offensive lineman, red hair, white boy, you know what I'm talking about, just, you know, you know, always getting burns, you know what I'm talking about, just from the sunburns, and just, that, that was Thomas, big old dude, man, and if you were running back, you wanted to ride, just ride right behind him, you know what I'm talking about, he would split the hole for you, the whole thing, he was tough. You get in the weight room, he could throw some weight around, you know what I'm talking about, and, ah, you know, just, you know, death metal music going, you know, just, ah. so you, you, you see, you know what I'm talking about, right? Every one of you, I'm sure you've had an experience with that guy in your life. Creatine, ah, you know, just, ah. That's, that's who Thomas was. And I'll never forget this one time, we were, uh, we were all hanging out at, at our house, my folks' house, and I think we had a game that week or whatever, and, and so we were, we were watching movies to get pumped up, like, like some young boys do. And of course, we had to watch Rocky one, you know, dun 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 dun, right? Dun 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 dun. I can do that forever if you want to. Bum bum da 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 da. Dun 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 dun. I'll keep going. You're like, I got to get to lunch, man. And so we're watching that, right? And we're all pumped up. Yeah, let's kill him, you know. And it gets to the it gets to the end. You know, or he just, like, Apollo and him are just trading blows. Like, they're, they're just, it's, it's, so, it's so ridiculous because no one actually boxes like that in real life. But they're, they're just, like, beating each other up, you know. And finally, you know, Apollo goes down. One, two, the whole thing, it's dramatic and music and everything. And, and I, 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 have, I see Thomas out of the corner of my eye, and he... He looks kind of like emotional a little bit, you know, and he's just been quiet for about 10 minutes. All of us are like, get him. Thomas is kind of like, he just kind of like, you know, doing his thing. And, and all of a sudden, like nine, 10, and they rush in and like pick him up. And Rockies, you know, they, they throw the flag over his back and everything. And he's going, Adrian. And it shoots to Adrian. And she's like, I love you. I love you doing that. And he's like, Adrian. She's like, I love you, Robbie. You did it. You know, the whole thing. And I look over and Thomas is crying. <laughs> He's like, and I look at him in front of all of our buddies. I go, Thomas, are you crying? And he's like, 
I'm not sad. I'm just so happy, you know? <laughs> He's just like totally crying, this big, tough guy, trying to hide it, you know? And Jesus shows up to this funeral, if you will. And everybody's crying. Everybody's upset. And do you know what Jesus does? He goes over in the corner and pretends that no, he doesn't want anyone to see him crying. He's like, oh, I don't, wanna, I don't want people to laugh at me because I'm kind of sad too. No, he doesn't do that. What does Jesus do? He automatically engages in their grief. In instant, instantaneously, what does Jesus do? He begins to cry. And he doesn't hide it. Right out of the bat, Jesus joins into this and he's crying. But the question you have to ask yourself, why in the world is he crying? He knows that he's about to see Lazarus totally healed and alive in about two minutes. The question is, why is he crying here? Let's look at the scripture. Verse 32, chapter 11. Mary is saying here, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and underlined this word, and troubled. Where have you laid him, he asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. And here's the shortest verse in the whole Bible. Jesus wept. He wept. But we have to wonder why he was crying. I've heard it taught before that he was grieved over their grief. And yes, I completely agree with that. I totally believe that. I believe that when we suffer, I believe that when we cry, he cries right along with us. I believe when you're in your room at night and you're hurting and you're in pain, Jesus is there right with you and he feels what you're feeling. That's the kind of God that we serve. He, he, he's willing to cry with you while you cry. So I totally believe that, but I also believe that there was more to it. I believe that Jesus was actually frustrated. I believe that one of the reasons why he's crying is because he's frustrated. Scripture says that he was deeply troubled, deeply troubled. And in the, in the original language, it actually says his spirit was stirred up. So the question is, why is he so stirred up? Why is he so troubled? They knew him better than almost anyone outside of the 12 disciples. They knew him. They had experienced the miracles. They, they knew what he was capable of, and yet they allowed their culture and their fears to dictate their belief in what he could do for them. And here they are. In fact, in verse 37, it says that the crowd is grumbling. Oh, man, I mean, I saw him do all kinds of stuff, and I kind of expected that he could pull this one off. The crowd's grumbling here. They, they believe that he could, have, he could have healed him, but only within the confines of their little box of expectations. And Jesus always, always operates outside of our boxes. He always operates outside of our expectations. So don't you love it? Don't you love it when there's been, because this happened in my own life, where you've, you've boxed God in, 
Like, 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 there's been moments where I'm like, yeah, that, there's no way that dude's gonna get off drugs. <laughs> Are you serious? No, 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 no. I, I can remember uh, starting out in ministry and, and I can remember one particular time going with a seasoned pastor to go pray for someone at the hospital. And this dude was on life support that we were going to pray for. And, and I can remember go, going into the room and, think, and, and like placing God in my little box. Here's the confession. I'm human. I make mistakes at times. And I, and I was like, yeah, that guy's on life support. I'm just going to pray that, you know, the family would be at peace and that God, if you're just ready to take him home, we're all okay with, you know. So that was kind of my, my prayer. And I just kind of put him, and man, we walked out of there, and that pastor took me behind the shed, if you know what I'm talking about. And he said, don't you ever put God in a box. JF, you don't believe that God can raise that man out of the bed? And I was like, uh, yes, of course I believe that, you know. He said, don't you ever pray that type of a prayer again. You pray a, you pray a prayer of faith. Come on faith because we serve a God that brings people back from the dead so your cancer your finances your your 25 years of drug abuse your kids that are running from you and God you better you better step in mama you better dad you better you uncle you, you better pray the prayer of faith that he can do what he said he would do that's exactly what these people had done. They, they boxed God in. Jesus shows up and they're all crying. And I believe that Jesus is frustrated here. He's frustrated here because he knows that they've seen what he can do. The question of tears. Here's the last question as the band comes back. The question of trust. The question of trust. Verse 38 says this, Jesus once more deeply moved. Okay, so it kind of reiterates what I was just saying. So he gets there, he starts crying, everyone's crying, he's crying, and scripture says that now he's, he's more deeply moved. So he, as, as this process unfolds, he's getting more and more upset. Jesus, once more deeply moved, came to the tomb. It was a cave with a stone laid across the entrance. Take away the stone, he said. But Lord, said Martha, the sister of the dead man, by this time there is a bad odor, for he's been there four days. Then Jesus said, you can just, you can just imagine how frustrated he is here. He said, did I not tell you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And then Jesus looked up and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. I know that you always hear me, but I said this for their benefit of the people standing here, that they may believe that you sent me. And when he had this, when he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. In that moment, Lazarus was raised from the dead, which is awesome. 
But here's what I want you to see. The word believe that Jesus keeps using here literally means active trust. Write that down. Like the context of this word believe that Jesus is using is, it is a verb, but it's like, it's like, a, it's like an action. It's like actively trusting. It's the same word that we see in John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only one and only son, but whoever believes, whoever actively trusts in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Active trust isn't just believing. The word resurrection literally means to raise up again, to bring back. And I, this morning, truly believe that Jesus was telling Mary and Martha, I know your belief has taken a hit. It's fallen down. I know that you've allowed culture, your past, your religious box. I, 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 I get it that it's overtaking you right now that your belief has fallen down, that it's, 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 it's even partly died, but if you choose to trust me, actively trust in me, I will raise it up again. I will breathe new life into those places that have died. I will, I will resurrect your belief. You see, Jesus said resurrection isn't something I do. Resurrection is who I am. It's not just something that I do. Jesus says, I am that. I am the resurrection and the life. When your faith falls, let me tell you, there's times in my own life where it does. When our faith falls, when it hits the dirt, when culture and life circumstances take over from time to time, when it falls down, actively trust in the Lord. He says, run back to me and let me raise it back up again. Why? Because I don't just do resurrection, Jesus says. I'm gonna, I'm gonna resurrect Lazarus, so I'm gonna do that and you're going to see that, but know that that's who I am. <laughs> I am. I'm not just Jesus who pulls rabbits out of hats, sign after sign. Because let me tell you, your memory is going to fail you from time to time. We talked about it last week. You're going to... You're going to forget those moments where those signs took place in your life. And Jesus says in those times, just believing in your context won't work. In my context, Jesus is saying, belief is, is, is like choosing to trust in me. Believing in me. And that's who he is. Jesus said, I am the resurrection, and the life. Thanks again for joining us. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel. For more content and to connect with us, go to cfan.church. 